Frank told me he was in negotiations to buy a squadron of F-15s. You have a squadron of F-15s, you could take over Africa. His whole goal was to do that. He walks into the boardroom meeting wearing a Darth Vader helmet, sits down and conducts the entire board meeting in the Darth Vader helmet. He's like a CEO, but he's also kind of a James Bond villain. Like it's super hilarious. He's trying to buy planes, factories, He's got his own private military, and that's what ultimately ends up happening is he ends up trying to take over multiple countries, and he's put himself in a pretty good position at this point. Hey, I appreciate you guys watching. So this is the next video in the Frank Amadeo story, which is based on the book I wrote, It's Insanity. At this point, I want to jump back to Capital Genesis, which was Frank's business model. During one of our interviews, or our discussions, I remember asking Frank about Capital Genesis and, and he was telling me like the ultimate plan of how Capital Genesis was, would work, which was his concept of how to buy up all of these companies and have them work kind of, you know, with one another, be interconnected. And he's buying up multiple companies, and I've already explained what he's doing with the uh, the tax, with the uh, payroll tax withholdings. I'm, obviously, that's how he's siphoning off money to build a nest egg for, you know, to fund kind of his uh, his goal of of world domination. In the most basic sense, Capital Genesis is a company that would would work with other companies in order for all of the companies to become profitable and kind of keep that profit within the comp within the within the that organization almost like a um rewards program let's say uh, where you you know you join a bunch of different companies that you know all give you slight discounts to try and only buy your gas from Shell and only buy your cars from Ford and only buy and they all work together to give each other discounts to kind of keep keep everybody in that reward keep the rewards um and kind of make you a a part of this this organization that helps condense its its profits so that it can all those companies can move towards a common goal. And that, that's that's a very simple way. So a lot of these companies are also working toward a common goal, which is building relations. And I'll give you an example. Frank had a group of people that worked in a Mirabilis and, uh, and, and what they were doing was they would build a relationship with, let's say, the Brazilian government to take, I think it was corn oil, in order to make some kind of a, a biofuel, right? To come up with this company to take this this product that they had a lot of that was virtually worthless for them, but they could turn it into a fuel. And they were investing in that comp in a company like that. They worked with the Chinese government to come up with dis water distillery plants for these regions in China that are so far from water sources that they need to be able to have clean drinking water. So he kind of builds a relationship there. Um, another one that he had told me about that was probably the most disturbing one was he was working with uh, Russia to become partners in, a, in an assembly plant that used to assemble 
uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles for the former Soviet Union. So he's trying to buy Now, they now made airplanes. They were now assembling um, commercial jetliners, that sort of thing. And Mirabilis was trying to buy into that manufacturing plant or assembly plant. I don't know, manufacturing or manufacturing and assembly. I forget what he said. But basically, they were trying to buy controlling interest in that factory. So if he could do that, then what happens ultimately is he has the ability to manufacture his own airplanes. Speaking of airplanes, this is also something that I, I think I've touched on, is that one of the things that Frank was doing, of course, he, he owns his own you know, private kind of a military group tactical, but Frank also at one point was trying, and this was actually the same thing. This was in like 2000, I want to say 2005. So like roughly the mid 2005, and I and, it, and it's funny too because I interviewed a couple of guys about this because here's what I had to prove this. I had Frank telling me this is what he did, and here's what he did. He was negotiating with a, a with a company that helps facilitate the purchase of fighter jets, like. You know, I give you the, the actual fighter jet that he was doing was, or that he was trying to to buy was the uh, were F F fifteens. So, and, and here's the thing: like F fifteens, F sixteens, F fourteens. These are planes that America sells to, sells to its allies. Like lots of our allies, like there have been thousands. I don't mean hundreds. I mean thousands of our allies buy um, F fifteens. You know, F sixteens, F fourteens. They'll buy them used from us. Sometimes they buy them, but you know, sometimes they'll go to um, they'll go to uh, you know McDonnell Douglas and they'll they'll arrange to buy you know fifty of them or a hundred of them, right? Saudi Arabia has them, you know, Israel has them, and those are brand new. But you can also when you you have the the Air Force has is getting rid of some of these these jets. They typically just chop them up, right? But you can also buy them, and what happens is. They'll take 20 of them or 10 of them that they're saying, look, they've got this many hours on them. It's not worth us to keep them running. We'll sell them for private use. And these things fly at like um, they, they fly at uh, um, air shows. You'll see guys flying, you know, F-15s, uh, F-14s, F-16s. And they fly them around, you know, because they wreck every once in a while. You'll see like a, like a wreck at an air, air show. Uh, and But what, here's what they do is, they fly them. They don't give them to them with the missiles. They don't give even give them to with any of the equipment. They go in. They gut them. They take out. They they declaw them. I think is the technical term. What Frank had said was they declaw them. They take off all of the armaments. They even remove all of the the software and hardware that are associated with them. So they rip out all the harnesses, everything, and then you can buy one of these things. So. Frank told me he was in negotiations to buy a squadron of F-15s, not from the United States government. He was actually acquiring them through a co another company. Now, keep in mind, a lot of times they'll sell them, let's say, to Israel. Israel uses them for 10 years, and then they go to get rid of them. Like, they don't just chop them up. I mean, they'll, they'll, they kind of gut them and sell them. U.S. has gutted them and sold them. So this company goes out, and they find them, and they buy them. Now, what would you want a, a, a bunch of F-15s for? And, and I was like, well, Frank, I don't understand. You're trying to buy F-15s. And he was like, yeah. 
And I said, where would you even keep F-15s? And he said, I said, and why would you want them? He said, well, you would want them for a, for military use, but, and I said, well, that doesn't, I don't understand. They, they've been gutted. Like they're, they're just, now they're just jets that are, you know, single and, and, you know, sometimes single and, and, and two seater, you know, you have a pilot and a co-pilot, you know, jets, like what, what, it's not like you can even fly people around in them unless you're going to just take them on a tour. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you buy the jets. He said, the goal was to buy a squadron of them, keep them in Cyprus. The Cyprus is known for doing insane stuff, right? Like Cyprus is basically the, run by, practically run by the mob. They'll do pretty much anything, money laundering, whatever you need done, they'll do. So he said, you go to Cyprus, and he was actually talking about relocating his entire company, the Mirabilis, to Cyprus, because you get tax benefits, very liberal banking laws, very liberal tax laws. Like, it. And what Cyprus was willing to do is they'll, they'll let you keep these jets there. Then you have Russians, uh, um, former Soviet military come in, and they'll put all the hardware back in the F-15s. You can now buy, you can buy Soviet, um, whatever, Stinger missiles, Sparrow missiles, whatever missiles you need that are the equivalent to our missiles. You put all the guts back in them, and now you've got working F-15s, and you've got a squadron. You have a squadron of F-15s you could take over Africa. So his whole goal was to do that. And I, I was like, okay, okay. And I had photographs of Frank getting into a bunch of, I want to say they were like F-18s, right? Like I, pictures of him next to F-18, pictures of him in the cockpit of an F-18, climbing up the ladder of an F-15, you know, talking to pilots, you know, a bunch of people around. He's got a staff of people a staff of um, security, a security detail from tactical that's standing around. I want to say Kevin Billings is in one of the pictures. So there, Kevin Billings was the head of his, uh, of tactical, which was his private military group. So he's there. And I, so I asked him, I said, well, was that an F, F, was that one of the F-15s that I saw you in the photographs I have of you with the with the fighter jets. And I remember he he said, no, 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 those weren't. He said, those were, he said, those were F-18s. He said, that was the company. That company flew an F-18 in, landed it at a private airport in Orlando. Frank goes there, meets with them. They brought him a bunch of brochures to, on, on the practice and their ability to acquire F-16s for him, and they had a, a, a whole conference as they were going out trying to acquire these. Well, here's what's interesting about that. So, me hearing that from Frank, it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't believe Frank. It's that I want proof. Like I, I just want, I just want a second opinion. I want something. I've got photographs. I've got Frank telling me this. It wasn't until I got out of prison and I actually contacted uh, this guy Woody, who's who's in here. Um, so I contact this guy, Woody. It's funny. Woody's name is his, it's, it's, he goes by, it's Woody Johnson. Anyway, so I contact Woody and I actually met with Woody, Woody and I interviewed him at a Dunkin' Donuts. I interviewed him and I remember when I was interviewing Woody, he said to me, I said, we're having this normal conversation. I said, hey, I have a question, Woody. I said, what about the F-15, these F-15s? I said, Frank told me he's trying to buy a bunch of F-15s. I was expecting Woody to say, F-15s, that's crazy. But that's not what he said. When I said, 
hey, Frank told me about buying, trying to buy F-15s. Woody said, I had nothing to do with that. He said, and I went, I'm sorry? What do, you, what do you mean? And he goes, listen, he said, that was something Frank was doing on his own. I wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted no part of it. When he talked about it, I thought he was just... He was just in one of his manic modes. He would drop it, but he didn't. He ended up having these guys like that. They're, they're flying in, bringing in brochures. Like he, he validated the entire story with Frank trying to buy these planes. I then, at another point, I talked to Yaniv, which was, which was the former business partner of Amadeo. And Yaniv told me the same thing. Yeah, he definitely, he was trying to buy the planes. He, I'm not sure where he, I asked him about Cyprus. He's like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not positive the, about the Cyprus thing, but I feel like I heard that, that before. Like he, he validates the whole thing too. He's definitely trying to buy these planes. I was like, well, how's he going to pay for the planes? And I remember Yaniv said, well, he, he, he had money. Like he was always coming up with money. And that's the interesting thing about this is that Frank's version of his story is that they were diverting the funds. And I've mentioned this earlier. Frank was diverting payroll taxes. And he was diverting them and using them for other purposes. Now, so when these guys are telling me, well, you know, he was always, he, he had a lot of money. They never really knew the source. They're, oh, he owned a lot of businesses. He did. But these are businesses that are being re, kind of reshaped. And yeah, they're profitable, but they're not necessarily 20, 30, $40 million, $50 million to buy a bunch of planes profitable. They're not 60 million or 30 million for this and that profitable. These are, these are companies that are pulling themselves out of bankruptcy or, or, the threat of bankruptcy. Maybe there's been a few years, but that doesn't mean they're all making, you know, 50 million a year at this point. What they are doing is Frank's withholding the payroll taxes and he is putting them into funds and he's diverting those funds. Now, Frank, when I got the documents and I read these documents, I remember Frank's telling me, um, that that didn't happen. That, 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 yes, there was money being sent here and there, but he wasn't in charge of that money. Now, that's not what the government says. It's not what the government said at his sentencing. It wasn't the, what the government said at, at different um, court hearings. It wasn't what the government says in paperwork. Now, there, there are clear indications where Frank directed people to send money. And I don't mean like 100000 I mean like, millions of dollars here, millions of dollars here. Well, so one of the things he's trying to do is buy airplanes. Another thing he's trying to do is he's, he's building these relationships with these companies. He's trying to invest in and working on investing on buying these properties at this time. Now, at, at some point, Frank um, ends up converting a lot of this stuff or, or a lot of this money to various different endeavors. There were multiple people working with Frank. There are CPAs, there are lawyers, there are um, uh, CEOs of, of, the, of his company that have been CEOs and presidents of other companies, experienced um, directors that are being brought in and are working with him. Uh, one of those people is a woman named Edie Curry. 
there's there's a guy named Randy, there's Lori, there's there's several different people. Richard Berman, these are all people that are working with him. And one of the transcripts that I had read discusses it's it's when they got Edie Curry on the stand. So Edie Curry's version of Frank was and his his business plan was to take a lot of the IRS money and use it, you know, kind of kind of be an investor into the, some of these companies. So some of these companies, he's pumping IRS money back into the company. Edie Curry said specifically that she asked numerous times. Uh, she asked uh, Mr. Bierman. She asked Mr. Holtz, which are these are CPAs and lawyers. She asked them, is this practice legal? And they said it was. They said it's absolutely legal, that what they were doing was all legal. And one of the things Frank was doing was Frank notified the IRS. Like, he wasn't lying to the IRS. He told the IRS, for this company, this company owes you $30 million. This one owes you $15 million. This company owns you owes you $45 million. You know, altogether, all of these multiple companies owe at this point, who knows? hundred I think it's probably by this point it's probably $150 million that they're behind on payroll taxes. And what Frank's doing with that is he's trying to buy airplanes. He's backing political candidates. He's donating to political parties. He's doing all of these insane things. He's pumping money into real estate endeavors. One of the things he did was he ends up buying out Donald Trump out of Trump Towers in which was in uh, uh, Tampa. I've got an article on that where they talk about Trump talks about Mirabilis. He talks about Mirabilis buying him out of the company, I mean, of, of the, um, the development project Trump Towers in Tampa. So uh, I may or may not mention that again. Uh, uh, the, the point is, is that it's so, it's so funny. Like you can punch in Mirabilis, Trump Towers, Tampa, Florida, and this article comes out. It comes up and it's Trump talking about it. So, um, Frank's doing a bunch of stuff with a bunch of different money. One of them, of course, is is buying up these planes and having them them move to different places, um, possibly potentially. One of the funniest things about that about that whole thing is when Frank would get into a manic mood. Keep in mind, his wife Claire Claire knows that Frank's got problems. He kn- she knows what he's doing. She knows he's brilliant, but she also knows more so than anybody. She knows that his ultimate goal, he thinks he's going to be like emperor of the world, right? And when things start going really good, Frank gets really manic and he starts talking crazy. So periodically she would call, she would call up um, some of these guys at, at the, you know, at the company and she would say, you know, like, listen, he just left. He's headed that way. He's going to be at the office soon, and he's absolutely manic. He's talking crazy today. He's talking about world domination. He's, I don't know, you know, I don't know what's happening. Um, you know, he, she's calling Holtz, uh, which is like the CEO, one of the CEOs or, you know, um, of the company. She's telling him, this is what he said. This is insane. Oh, actually, he was a lawyer. He, I don't know what, what to do. He, and he's telling her, calm down. She's like, no, he's talking about invading countries. He's talking about invading the Congo. And, and, and um, you know, Holtz is like, listen, you know, Claire, 
Kevin Billings is perfectly aware of Frank's mental situation. Like, we've got it under control. We have it all under control. We're, he's not invading anything. We're, we're, we're fine. We've got it under control. And, you know, so everybody's aware of this, of what's happening. Frank's mental condition was not stable, is what I'm trying to say. Secondly, he had professionals that were, even his own, his own wife and friends that were trying to say, this doesn't sound legal, what's happening with this money that you guys are withholding. And this wasn't like three months or six months. This was years that he, they're negotiating. And he's making payments to the IRS. So even though the IRS is like, look, you owe us $150 million or $180 million, whatever it was at, the, at any given time, he's able to say, well, we're making payments and negotiating down what we owe you. But then they were making payments. They made all their scheduled payments. So one of the interesting things about that is that, you know, everybody's arguing about it. Is this, is this legitimate? Is this legitimate? And it seems like that at some point the government would come in and immediately and try and take these companies over. But here's the thing. H hundreds of thousands of companies every, at any given time, in the United States, there are hundreds of thousands of companies that are behind on their payroll withholding taxes. That seems crazy, right? Like people don't realize this is something that happens in the in the you know behind the scenes. But let's say you're like I don't know waterbed warehouse or you know like I said you know you make these you know you make coffee cups and you've got two hundred employees and you get behind or you need you know your your money is not separated correctly and it's commingling funds and look it's absolutely illegal but it happens all the time and some of that money and you go to make your payment to the IRS and you don't have the money if you notify the IRS hey i have i owe you this money but we had a cash shortage and we don't have the money right now we'll double up next in next quarter that happens. You're behind on your payroll taxes, but you notify them. And as a result, as long as you notify them and you catch up, it's okay. They understand that. You fill out a form, you send it to them. They go, oh, they're behind. People get behind. People get behind, people catch up. So getting behind doesn't mean the IRS comes in and says, we're closing the company. We're seizing this. We're... They don't want to do that. You've got a couple hundred employees. They don't want to, you got a hundred or 200 employees. They don't want to shut your company down or try and seize all your bank accounts. How are you going to pay your employees? So they don't want to do that, especially if you're being upfront and you notify them. And, and keep in mind, they're, they're months, if not years behind on even catching up to anything. So these kinds of things happen all the time. So it wasn't unreasonable what was going on with them. What was unreasonable is the people that Frank surrounded himself with allowing this to go on unchecked. They were trying to keep him mentally stable, right? Like his, his, um, his mood swings stable, his, his delusions stable. But I'm going to give you an example of, of something that, what, that happened one time. Uh, and Edie Curry talks about this. And I've heard I've heard Yanivas uh, talked about it. Woody talked about it. You know, multiple people have talked about it. It's it's in multiple transcripts, but Edie Curry, I remember, she was trying to explain to the prosecutor at one point in one of these transcripts that she didn't really think, she knew that they were, he, he joked around about things, but she didn't really think he had an issue. She didn't think it was an issue that he had was mentally unstable. But she does mention, she goes, there was one thing that was a little bit off. And they said, really, like, what was that? 
he did come into a boardroom meeting one time. He walks into the boardroom meeting wearing a Darth Vader helmet, sits down and conducts the entire board meeting in the Darth Vader helmet. Nobody says anything. Why would they say anything? If you are a CEO of a company and you're making $350,000 a year plus stock benefits and a company that you think may be worth billions, you don't say anything. If you're a secretary that should be making $40,000 a year, but you're making $150,000 a year, do you stand up and say, listen, this guy is off his, he's off his rocker. He's crazy. We need to talk, get somebody in here. We need to, that's not what happened. What happened was they ended up hiring a psychiatrist to come in. They gave him an office right next to Frank's and they paid him to base, basically be on call or in the office 40 hours a week. Full-time. You have your full-time psychiatrist trying to keep this guy stable. That's it. That was the extent that they did. They went and they got a psychiatrist. Nobody thought, hey, we need to, I need to get out of this situation. I can't work for this guy. It's too They didn't do that. So there's actually a character called um, Milton Crest. And he it wasn't it's a James Bond book. It was never made into a movie, but Milton Crest is one of the villains. In one of the James Bond books, uh, it's called the the Heidelbrand um, conspiracy or the Heidelbrand something. I forget the name of the book, but it he he's like that character. He's like he's like Mister Big, right? Like he's one of these James Bond villains that is like he's like a CEO, but he's also kind of a James Bond villain. Like it's super hilarious. And everybody around him is positioning themselves to make money and do his bidding because he's making everybody so much money. And that's really what it was like to be in one of to be a in his in Frank Amadeo's sphere. He's trying to buy planes, uh, buying a um a factories. He's He's, he's got his own private military, and that's what ultimately ends up happening is he ends up trying to take over multiple countries by doing this. And he's put himself in a pretty good position at this point. There's a guy named Simon Mann, which I've, I haven't talked about. Simon Mann is a guy that owned a private military that actually used to be hired out to take over like African country. So one African country would hire him out to help invade. Kind of like uh, in, in Russia, you've got that the uh, the guy that uh, Putin just had killed. Um, he was in charge of, had his own private military, right? Kind of like Blackwater. Kind of, these are guys that you send in and they'll help fight your war. They're mercenaries. And that's really what Frank had. He, was, he had a mercenary force ready to go. But he's also still trying to kind of schmoozes way in and, and, and take over these countries. And that's what really kind of happens in, in, in Africa. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you that. We're, we're going to talk about that in the next video. I really appreciate you guys watching. Please join my Patreon. We're going to be talking about Frank's invasion of Africa next.